more than $2 trillion worth of, of food is lost or wasted before it even reaches the end consumer. And those are probably conservative statistics. Welcome Getting There fans. I'm your host, Alejandro Garcia Maya. 58% of all food produced in Canada, that's 35.5 million tons, is lost or wasted. And about a third of that wasted food could be rescued and sent to communities in need across the country. How can we improve food system failures in North America? On today's show, we have Alita Burke co-founder and COO of The Grocer, a company that is building and incubating hydroponic food system solutions through empowerment and collaboration. In this episode, Alita and I go over the challenges of local food production and food systems. We go over many questions, including what are the issues of food security in Canada? What is hydroponic technology? How's the grocer enabling cost savings in food and much more? Join us in our conversation. Let's do this. Where, uh, where did you grow up? Yeah, I'm from uh, the capital city of Canada. It's uh, called Ottawa. And so I was born and raised here um, and I went to university here. What, what do you believe you learned most from your parents? Um, my mom was originally from Germany, so she emigrated here when she was in her 20s. And so that was a huge adjustment and, and quite admirable to, you know, adjust to a new culture, a new language. So I think one of the big things from her and my dad would be hard work and, and the mm. importance of giving everything your all, right, and not just going halfway. If you're doing something, you do it right and you do it to the best of your abilities. And I think that's definitely helped me throughout everything that I do. So... Tell us a bit about Grocer. What problem are you solving? And we'll go from there. For sure. So the Grocer, really what at its core is um, helping have everyone have access to sufficient, safe, and nutritious food no matter where they are um, and no matter who they are. And so how we do that is through our flagship product, which is the containerized growing system. So you can imagine a... Uh, 40-foot shipping containers, and we retrofit that into a plug-and-play commercial hydroponic farm. So in the same sense that the, the, the containers are used to transport, we want to use that shell to be able to get it to hard-to-reach places where you can't maybe traditionally grow food or it has to travel thousands of miles to get to its end location and um, be able to grow locally. What's interesting is with hydroponics, you're growing plants without soil, right? So you're growing them in sort of water-filled trays and using uh, gravity for the most part to be able to have that water flow through with all the nutrients that the plants need to, to be able to grow effectively. So when you're looking at it, you're using more than 99% less water than traditional growing methods. So you're using maybe something like 0 0.007 of a liter per head of lettuce, whereas conventionally it's much, much more than that. And because it's closed loop, right, everything uh, stays within the system. So you're just topping it up every month for what the plants have been able to use. And more so, um, you're able to have 99% less land grow, growing the same amount of food that we do in 320 square feet. So you're, you're growing about two acres of crops in 320 square feet. There's so much land that is needed for food production, we just simply don't have it. So if you have these opportunities to be much more efficient with your space, 
there's a great opportunity to feed such a, a growing population in the future. How did this begin? Where did yeah. this idea come from? Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> myself and my co-founder, Corey, were working with a student organization at the University of Ottawa where we studied in social entrepreneurship. So it's called Enactus, and it helps student, students who are interested in social entrepreneurship get the tools and, and the support that they need to start something. So it was with them that we went up to northern Canada for the first time, and they have huge challenges with food insecurity. They have the highest rates in, in all of Canada. You're looking at about 46 to 47% of all households in, in Nunavut have, um, are food insecure, and, and it's incredible. And so 46%? Yeah. Um, we have a lot of Indigenous Canadians living there, and it's the highest food insecurity rate out of any Indigenous population in the globe. It's, it's just astronomical. And, and what's the, one of the challenging parts is that it's not always known by many Canadians that there are such high food insecurity rates in, our, in your own backyard. When we started to learn more and more about the issue, we learned it's truly a global problem in the sense that more than $2 trillion worth of, of food is lost or wasted before it even reaches the end consumer. And those are probably conservative statistics from the, the World Food Bank. And so a lot of that, what you find is it's before it even reaches the end consumer. And 50% of that number is for lost or wasted produce of fruits and vegetables. So it's an astronomical number because of uh, supply chains, because it needs to go long distances around the world you're having this huge challenge in being able to keep that food fresh and um, get it to where it needs to go. So with what we're looking at in our technology, if we're able to eliminate those supply chains and be able to have it closer to where the end consumer is, you're able to reduce that transportation cost, um, the transportation emissions as well, and hopefully have something that's fresher and more affordable on the plate of the consumer to be able to try and at least reduce some of that food waste and, and mm -hmm. food loss numbers. I came across some numbers here from Second Harvest, a study mm -hmm. that they came out. And uh, just to add to what you were mentioning, it says 58% of all food produced in Canada, and that's 35.5 million tons, is lost or wasted. About a third of that wasted food could be rescued and sent to communities in need across the country. Says 4.82 million tons of food, or nearly 21 billion worth, is lost or wasted during the processing and manufacturing process. 2.38 million tons of food, or more than 10 billion worth, is lost at the consumer level. So, in in total, all food that is lost or wasted in Canada is a staggering 49 billion dollars worth. It creates 56.6 million tons of carbon dioxide. In, in equivalent uh, emissions. And since food end up in landfills, that also creates methane gas, which is 25 times more damaging to the environment than carbon dioxide. So clearly it's a humongous problem to your point. So you came across this problem. How did you actually think of Grocer? Yeah, we basically went up every... We call them reading weeks when you have breaks from school mm. to be able to learn more about the challenge. So we would talk with people in the community, so politicians, leaders, community members, just to see what sort of things had been done in the past. Because it's so intricate, there's so many different parts that play within just food insecurity, both you know, on the economic side, health side. Um, so we wanted to get a good understanding of what it actually meant. 
so we learned through that this idea of, of hydroponics and being able to grow food without having to actually grow in soil because in these northern communities you have very short growing season and we thought hmm that might be something that we could learn more about and, and see what sort of opportunities there are there, but do it in a way that was empowering local individuals or local farmers um, and be able to do it in an environmentally friendly manner as well. So how does it work? Because I know that when I first came across it, I had heard of hydroponic gardens and there's a couple of companies that are doing that. But I think this was the first time for me, at least, that I came across something where it was a franchise model, where not only can you access food for yourself and for your community, but you can make a business out of that. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Yes, 100%. Because we found that it's one thing to be able to grow food in a greenhouse or, you know, as a, on the local level, which is extremely important and very valuable. Um, but we wanted to make sure that there was long-term sustainability in what we were doing so that we didn't have something get up and running. And then because it didn't make economic sense, it just stopped going, right? Yeah, I, I want to have a grocer in, in my backyard, right? Yeah. From the moment that I say I, wanna, I want in and I want to be a part of this, how does it look like in terms of the capital investment on my end and then also what I need to do and how long it takes and how many people I need in order to get to where I want to get to. I can, can you kind of walk me through that? Yeah. So the whole process from, I guess, working when you commit to wanting, you really want to have a, a grocer all the way to when it comes on site, you're looking at about eight to 10 weeks from to be able to manufacture it and also, you know, get you ready for having your system on site. I think it's a pretty a straightforward process or we like to have it that way. So basically you look at an investment of about um, $180,000 Canadian for, for a container um, and a, a payback period of between three and a half to four years, depending on where you, where you are. And so with that, you basically to be able to install it. You're looking at, you need a plot of land, uh, an electrical hookup and um, an access to some sort of water source. Usually garden hose is, is the easiest there and a monthly fill-up for that. Basically, what you, the customer, maybe you, right, would need to focus on is what you would like to grow, who you would like to sell it to, and what sort of business model you would like for, for your container. And we take care of the rest. So everything that we have for that's more complex, that's automated by our, our system, you can look at on an app. So you open it on your phone. You say, okay, the light, are, the cycle is, let's say, for 12 hours. Um, from five to five, or I maybe want to turn them off for a little bit to save electricity costs. All your pumps, your your airflow, everything you can see on your on your phone there. So it makes it quite easy to no matter where you are to make sure that your container That's is working cool. as it should. Yeah, so it's fun there. And then once it gets on site, you basically pop in the seeds and you're you're ready to start growing. Is there an unlimited array of options in terms of what you want to grow? With us, you're looking at about 140 different types of cultivars that we've been able to successfully grow. Um, a lot of it is in what you, we call sort of the leafy green category because those make a, have a high, high turnover in the sense that you can grow them quite quickly. So those make a lot of sense there. You can look at brassicas, so like broccolis, cauliflowers, that sort of thing, um, herbs, Asian greens, and 
you can do a lot of vine crops and we're starting to explore uh, commercials, fruit production in terms of strawberries, raspberries, that sort of thing. Aside from the buy-in, which is 130,000 Canadian, right? That you mentioned, is that 130,000? How much is it? 180, so 130 US. About. Okay, so 130,000 US. In terms of maintenance, can you walk us through a little bit of that? For sure. So when you're looking at operating one container, you're looking at about 12 to 15 hours of work per week. And most of that is, is around seeding, transplanting, and harvesting. Plus, we usually build in a little bit of maintenance in there. So every system comes with a spare part of each, each important part of the system, if you will, so that if something were to break, you have that opportunity to have uh, it fixed right away. So for what you're looking at, it, operating costs are quite low. It's usually just um, the, the biggest would be the electricity cost for the lights. But that's because they're LEDs, they're quite efficient. Uh, what we found is you're able to keep your, we work a lot in, in, in cold climates. So up until about minus 20 degrees Celsius, which is about um, uh, minus five Fahrenheit, the system heats itself. So it's quite efficient in that sense. And because you have about 30,000 LEDs in there, which is uh, quite incredible. But um, so that would be your biggest cost there. But it's quite minimal in the sense for what you're looking at. Total you're, for what you can grow in a year, you're looking at about 12,000 pounds of produce. So that's about 100, would feed about 108 people, five servings of fruits and veggies every single day uh, year round. So in what you're looking at, the, the profits after having a, an employee work in the system, you're looking at between fifty dollars and $60,000 Canadian for a profit that you, we would hope to be able to reinvest. In. And, and of course, once you have more systems, you can really benefit from economy scale. How many containers are currently out there? We have about 15 can containers right now that are on the field from uh, all the way from the west coast of North America to the east coast up to the, to the Arctic Circle there. So out of those 15 containers, who tends to be the, the customer for this? Mm -hmm. We look at a few different ones. The main one we have are existing retailers that are looking to provide fresher, more affordable options on their shelves. So cooperative retailers or general for-profit retailers. Then you have more institutional type of clients. So uh, one of our great partnerships that we have is with Chartwells Canada, which is a food distributor or food service provider for, for higher education in Canada. And so we have an exclusive partnership with them to expand across college and university campuses in Canada. So that would be a type of institutional client that we work with. And then the third one is usually entrepreneurs or people who are in food in general and are looking to have that new type of technology uh, incorporated into their businesses. Are there technologies in your field that can continue to be a game changer within the industry? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think there's definitely on the few different fronts some interesting things that are coming about. One of, some of the big things are, are the different types of crops that you can grow with the advancement of LEDs, the opportunity to, to grow things on more complex products like, like strawberries and raspberries. I think you, in the future, can see opportunities to be able to effectively and efficiently grow so many different types of crops that we don't have the opportunity to do now. And then there's been a lot of discussion about 
robotics and, and being able to automize growing in, in some of these huge warehouse style growing operations. So that's definitely still in, in its infancy, but I think there's a lot of opportunity there as well once that technology advances for sure. Do you have access to more analytics with being able to plant this way than you would in, in the traditional sense? And how does that even work? Yeah, 100%. The beauty of having a controlled environment is that you can control it and also have so many data points to, to learn from. So basically everything in our system can be controlled in just the way we want it. So the temperature, the light structure, the, the amount of um, carbon dioxide that's in the, the air that really benefits plants. So with that, you have so many data points to be able to monitor um, how the plants are growing and then what those environments are um, that the plant is growing best in so that you can optimize that, right, and make it so that every plant is growing as efficiently as it possibly can. So it's quite incredible to see the amount of data that you can get there, and um, de definitely there's so much that can be used from that big data uh, in the future. You mentioned that you're going to be opening this up to, to the U.S. What does that look like in, in terms of dates and in terms of where would you would start first offering this? Yeah, um, so we have a partner where we've been able to have some in Alaska already. So there's, there's a good network there in, in, um, in, in Alaska, but where we want to focus our energies is more in, in the continental U.S. So uh, we have some discussions and, and projects in the works in the, in the New York State area. We see a lot of opportunity in, in, in the Midwest as well areas where their remoteness is also a challenge to be able to access food. Is there anything that I did not ask that mm -hmm. you'd like to share? As we grow, our goal is to make sure that everyone has access to sufficient, safe and nutritious food no matter where they are. To give you some background, just from the network we have now, we've been able to divert more than 4 million gallons of water because of how efficient that the plants can grow created dozens of, of local jobs. We're keeping profit in, in these communities that otherwise don't have many types of economic opportunity. You're able to divert tons of CO2 emissions because of being able to grow right next door rather than having to ship it from locations like California and Mexico. Our big goal um, in the next three years, and it's one of those big, hairy, audacious ones, but we want to be able to provide 50 million meals for people around the world using our technology. Well, that's this week's episode of Getting There. Thank you all for listening to the Getting There podcast. Very much appreciated. Be sure to visit gettingtherepodcast.com to learn about more leaders solving the world's most pressing problems through our videos, games, blogs, and more. If you are or have a friend who's a social impact leader using scalable technology to find sustainable solutions for world-pressing problems, please reach out to my team and I at guest at gettingtherepodcast.com. That is guest at gettingtherepodcast.com. Catch a new episode every Tuesday. If you enjoyed the show and want to spread love back to my team and I, please make sure to subscribe and rate us. Have a wonderful day. And as my grandfather would say, adelante y arriba. <laughs>